with us this morning, which I think for the most part we all were. Um, we were, again, we were going through the I am statements. So the one we looked at this morning was before Abraham was, I am. It was a very lengthy passage. And because of that, um, we kind of had to move through it rather quickly. So we weren't able to pay special attention to everything going on. Um, in a lot of ways, it's a hard passage because of where it kind of, how it ends. It's, it's disheartening. Because we find that, what did they do? They rejected him. They picked up stones to kill Jesus, and Jesus left. And so that's kind of a, a bittersweet note to end on, in a way. Because in, in one sense, we see Jesus revealing himself for who he is. But in another way, we see that he is rejected by his audience. <clears throat> this passage, in my opinion, is a much more gentle one. It is more devotional, I believe, in nature, in the sense that it is food for the soul, comforting. And so I, I think we'll kind of get to that as we read through it. But um, it's, it's a beautiful passage and it holds such meaning for us today. So again, we are looking at the next of the I am statements. In this case, it is I am the good shepherd. Before we actually go into the passage, we'll go through briefly the context of this passage. So if you look at the chapter immediately prior to chapter 10, where we are right now, it is where Jesus heals the man born blind. So this is flowing right out of that passage. The people that Jesus is talking to here would include that man and the other people in their presence at that time. He's talking to them, and in all of their heads, all of them are thinking together, this man who was born blind, he can now see. And they're doing different things with that. They're not all on the same page as to what that means, but that's what's going on. So if you've heard this story, the man born blind, Jesus comes upon this man, and the people, his disciples with him, they ask Jesus, tell us, who sinned that this man is now born blind? Was it the man or were his, was it his parents? And Jesus says, neither, right? It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus, he heals this man who is born blind. He puts, he spits on the ground, he takes the mud, He puts it on his eyes and he tells him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The man does it. Note that the man never sees Jesus at this time. He's still blind when he departs from Jesus. He goes to the pool, he washes there, and he is healed by Jesus. So when this happens, later, there's a confrontation, essentially, between he and the religious leaders in the temple. And they're interrogating him, wanting to know, how he can see. Because another thing that, about this scenario is that this man was healed on the Sabbath. So not only is it Jesus healing this man, who has, up to this point, we know, infuriated the religious leaders of Israel. Not only is it Jesus that they're talking about, but it happened on the Sabbath, which goes against what they're, they've been teaching. 
So there's a confrontation between them initially, and then they bring in his parents, and his parents are kind of standoffish because they don't want to make any statements about it. They're like, yeah, he was born blind, but as for how he sees now, we don't know. Talk to him. He's a man. You know, you can talk to him. So they go back to him. There's back and forth. And then it says in chapter 9, verse 28, And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. This is culminating in this moment. So they say, We don't know where Jesus comes from. Right? In verse 30, the man answered, The man who had been blind, but Jesus is healed. Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And then what do they do? They answered him, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us. And they cast him out need to recognize this, the consequences of what it means to be cast out in this context. This would have been, essentially, he is being ostracized, not only out of their corporate worship life, he's being tossed out of church, basically. Not only that, but this is also his cultural and social identity. This is his people group, right? This is who he hangs out with. This is who he sees when he goes to market. This is who he sees at the well. This is who he sees every day. And now that he's been cast out, he would be viewed now as a prostitute or a tax collector, essentially, in the eyes of the people. He would be rejected and thought of as unworthy of their attention, care, or respect. So this isn't small potatoes for this guy. He's being tossed out, out of everything. But thank God Jesus does not share the world's knack for rejecting those thought of as unworthy. Jesus finds the man in 35 down. He finds the man and he reveals himself to him. The man proclaims his belief and the man worships him in verse 38. This is the context for where we are now. Okay, so as we go into the passage, bear in mind who he's talking to. He's talking to the religious leaders, the man born blind. This is specifically for him and it's also for us. As God's people, as, as Christians saved by Christ. So before we go to the text, let's pray together. <clears throat> God, we praise you that you are a good shepherd. You love us even when the world casts us out. You draw us to yourself. And I pray that you would do that now, that you would draw us close to you. Speak to us your word. May we hear it. May we embrace it for it is life to us. Be with us now. In all this we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. So let's read the text and then we'll go through bit by bit. This is John chapter 10, verse 1 through 19. We'll probably read through 21 now. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and come out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down in my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? See that they're talking about. This happened just before the man born blind. This is what they're talking about there. So notice, as we go back to the beginning, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So we immediately have these two categories. The one who comes through the door is the shepherd. Anyone who gets in any other way, thieves and robbers. They are trying to, the second group, thieves and robbers, what are they wanting to do? They're wanting to do harm to who? The sheep. They're there to hurt the sheep, to steal them, to hurt them, to kill them, as we read later. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's their prerogative. Whether they mean it that way or not, if they succeed in what they're attempting to do, it will hurt the sheep. Another thing to note is those standing in the pen of sheep, they don't necessarily have the authority to be there. There are people coming over the wall, right? They might be digging a hole. Air dropped out of a plane. They're there. They shouldn't be, though. They're there to hurt the sheep. But they're there. Rather, the one who enters through the door is the authentic shepherd. 
the true shepherd. We know his authenticity. How? It tells us. Because we know his voice. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. That's how we tell. Right? We know that the shepherd is who he is. We know that he's come to the door because we recognize his voice. Verse 3. The sheep hear his voice and calls, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. We know his voice. It says in verse 5, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Think of the man born blind in this scenario, because that's our immediate context. He's now been healed, and the God has spoken. And what do they, the religious leaders, what do they say to him? We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. So I already, so that's, that's their understanding. They don't know Jesus is who he is because they don't recognize his voice, right? There's a disconnect there. But who also are these religious leaders? As we keep reading, we'll see that they are who? The thieves and the robbers. So they're attempting to do what? Because the man born blind, he is in this scenario a sheep. So this whole exchange that happened before, he has an exchange with the good shepherd. He's blind. He can't see. Jesus begins his healing process. He's not healed all the way yet. The man born blind, he doesn't see Jesus. All he hears is what? His voice. The voice tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He goes and does it. He listens to the voice that told him, go wash, you'll be healed. He does it. Then he has the exchange with the religious leaders. They're trying to do what? They're trying to prevent, to stop the words of Jesus, to prevent the work of Jesus, what is being done here. They're trying to prevent that from having fruit in this man's life and other people's lives. They want to kill that. So they attack him and they eventually they cast him out. They cast the sheep out because they can't do anything with him. Because what? The man born blind, he doesn't. Voices of strangers and then the voice of the shepherd. We see that there, right? So, again, I already read the full response of the man born blind, that final exchange. Why this is an amazing thing, right? He, he started to say that. But he eventually says, if this man were not from God, he could do what? He could do nothing. So let's apply that particular statement here. For one to truly be the shepherd, they must enter through the gate. They come from who? God. They come from God, they enter the gate. That is the only authentic means of having authority in the situation. You have to come from God. That's what it is. But Jesus comes through the door. Right. And so when the man born blind, he says, we know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do what? Nothing. So he recognizes that anyone that heals a man born blind, it's never happened before. He has to come from God. He has to come through the door. This has to be a man who comes from God. He's authentically the shepherd. <clears throat> All those who come among the sheep but are not from God, 
If they come in via any other means than the gate, they are thieves. Not only that, they are powerless to, live, to deliver on whatever claim to authority they are making. None of the other people there, none of the religious leaders, can heal a man born blind, period. It's never happened. Neither could anyone documented in the Old Testament, whether patriarch, king, priest, or prophet. Moses never did it. David never did it. Elijah never did it. Isaiah never did it. Go down the line. It's not happened before. Neither can any of these mentioned parties fulfill prophecy or make the claims Jesus is making. Jesus signifies by his words and actions that he comes from God. Thus, he passes through the door. On the other hand, we have the other group, the thieves and the robbers. All others miss this mark. The Pharisees that cast out the man who had been healed demonstrate their own fraudulent nature. They claim to be ministers of God, but their actions and words display otherwise. They have not come from God, but here they are seeking to prey on who? The sheep. They've come over the wall, so to speak. And again, the other group here is made up of the sheep. And the sheep hear the shepherd's voice and follow him. The shepherd calls the sheep by name. He brings them all out, losing none. He goes before them and they follow him. Because why? The sheep know his, the shepherd's voice. So they follow. So at the end of this first six verses, it tells us in verse six, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Right? They didn't understand it. So Jesus does what? He gracefully approaches the same metaphor from a different perspective, right? In seven through thirteen. So 7 through 13 again. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a higher hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So Jesus takes the same figure of speech and he alters it, right? But at the same time, the same truths are being communicated here, just in a different way. See, before he's talking about himself as a shepherd, he's talking about the others there as thieves and robbers. Much of the same words are being used. He talks about the shepherd coming through the gate initially in verses 1 through 6. Now in verse 7, what does he say? I am the door of the sheep. Right? Before we were reading that Jesus was the shepherd, here we are reading that he is the door. Notice that all who enter through the door are saved because Jesus is the door, right? However, in the first six verses, we read that the sheep follow the shepherd because they know his voice and that he brings them out. What does the shepherd bring them out of? Out through the door. How? Because the sheep follow the sound of his voice because they know his voice. There's an unbreakable chain here. The shepherd, Jesus, is the only one who can enter the door authentically into the sheepfold. He enters the door. He comes and he calls to his sheep. The sheep know his voice and follow him out through the door. What is the door? It's Christ. No sheep were ever lost in this entire 
scenario, right? It's an unbreakable chain. The shepherd comes in. He calls the sheep. The sheep hear his voice. They follow him through the door. They follow the shepherd. Also notice that his opponents are initially represented here again as thieves and robbers. And here Jesus reveals their motive in full to steal, kill and destroy so that all that enter the sheepfold by means other than the door are thieves and robbers and their desires to see harm come to the sheep. The man born blind heard the voice of Jesus, recognized that Jesus came from God through the door and believed in him. The man born blind is a sheep and the Pharisees, thieves and robbers, seek to do him harm. The motives of Jesus, the shepherd, and that which is accomplished by passing through Jesus, the door, are the antonym of the desires of the thieves and the robbers. Indeed, what does it tell us that the shepherd comes to do? I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, whereas the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So the shepherd comes to give life, abundant life, to the sheep. Thieves come over the wall to hurt them. Jesus then makes plain, of course, in verse 11, that he is the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I am. And not merely a shepherd, but a good one. The good shepherd. And here the shepherd tells his audience how he will give them life abundant. A good shepherd is willing to sacrifice his life for his sheep And Jesus is that good shepherd. This is a foreshadowing of what is to come. that The shepherd would lay down his life for his sheep. Additionally, we see the bankruptcy of trusting in the hired hand. Or the Pharisees or anyone else to which we could attribute this title. Right? Because what does the hired hand do? He flees. Because he doesn't care for the sheep. He runs away. So if the man who had been born born blind, that Jesus has healed, if he had listened to the Pharisees in this hypothetical scenario, if he had listened to them, agreed with what they said, and subsequently had not been cast out, if he had kept all of his prior life intact, he's not cast out, he's still a part of everything. Their religious corporate experience, he's still part of the all of the social things going on in his life, all of those relationships and connections, he's still a part of it. If he had been able to hold on to all of that, could they have ultimately given him what he really needs? No. Why? Because the people there, the people he has just had an exchange with, these religious leaders are nothing but thieves, robbers, hired hands who care nothing for the sheep. They would flee rather than sacrifice anything for the sheep. And so while even if he had acquiesced to everything that they said to him, even if he had given all of that up and said, okay, okay, you're right. This guy, he must be a sinner. He healed me on the Sabbath. I I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what it was. You know, you just tell me and I'll agree with whatever you say. If he had backed down on all of it, kept everything else intact. Not only would he be putting his life in the hands of thieves and robbers who seek to steal, kill, and destroy, 
but he would be what? He would be turning away from the voice that he hears. But the, the reality here is he hears the voice of Jesus and he can't because he's a sheep. But he hears Jesus. He hears his voice and he follows him. He says he must be from God because he healed me. A man born blind. No one else could do this. He has to be from God. And so he believes in him. The shepherd. Again, following the hired hand provides no protections and no benefits. The hired hand cares nothing for the sheep. He flees at the first sign of danger. When the man Jesus healed was cast out, he was in reality adhering to that which alone could save him, the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd. Let's go again. Verses 14 and 21. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Here we find that there are more sheep, right? What does he say? I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Throughout the Gospels, much of the emphasis is on the Jewish people, right? We, we read about that a lot. This is who he's talking to. There, there are just a limited number of incidences that, incidents that are related to in the Gospels where we read about people that are not Jewish. But here Jesus reveals that there are sheep that are not of this fold. There are sheep that are Samaritans. There are sheep that are Greeks. There are sheep here in West Virginia, in Moundsville, throughout the United States, Asia, Africa. And and we really can't pause here to talk about it in this way, but this passage is a really good way to emphasize missions and evangelism, reaching the lost, because we know that there are sheep out there that need to hear the words of Christ the words of God spoken to them. We could talk about it in that way. But again, all of us together, we are sheep of one flock who have one shepherd, Jesus Christ. Notice also that again, Jesus reaffirms his commitment to the sheep. And he also claims that his authority is absolute. How does he do that? Note that Jesus does not have his life taken from him. When he goes to the cross, This is not an upset to Jesus' plans. It is not people coming out of the woodwork. Jesus is surprised. They take him. They murder him. And this is all like, God's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do now. That's not happening here. In reality, what is happening is Jesus, by his own authority, is laying down his life. For who? The sheep. Jesus proclaims here that which will happen and to where all of history is leading. 
the cross, the altar upon which the good shepherd will lay down his life for his sheep to bring abundant life to all that listen to his voice, all the little sheep. And yet Jesus' authority does not only reach to him being able to lay his down, lay down his life of his own accord, he also has authority to do what? To take it back up. Isn't that magnificent? Little sheep, this is who our shepherd is. He's not a thief or a robber. He is not a charlatan. He's not a phony religious teacher or a two-bit politician. The leading of the shepherd is secure. His promises cannot be forfeited. No circumstance that can come about can catch our shepherd off guard, not even death, which the fear of since the hired hand, what? Running. Not even death has power over our shepherd. Death can only come upon the shepherd by his own laying down of his life. And even then, the good shepherd takes it back up. Brothers and sisters, listen and hear the voice of the good shepherd. Listen to the promise that he has made in giving us life abundantly. Listen to how he has made certain this promise, the laying down of his life. And listen to the reality that the shepherd who laid his life down for you has taken his life back and is alive even now, caring for his sheep, you and I. I pray this week. When we go out, we go out in the comfort of knowing that the shepherd holds us. He holds all of us together. One flock, one great good shepherd. One great good almighty shepherd who brings us abundant life through the laying down of his life for us. He's a good shepherd.